You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have a special guest with us, Ryan Yost, who is the vice president and general manager within Avery Dennison. In his role, Ryan is responsible for worldwide leadership and strategy for the Printer Solutions Division, focused on building partnerships and solutions within the food, apparel, and fulfillment industries. As the general manager of PSD, Printer Solutions Division, Ryan is also responsible for the core business functions for his division, including operations, marketing, finance, human resources, communications, legal, and information technology. Ryan joined Avery Dennison in 2001, and since then he has had various roles, label and graphic materials in operations supply chain and within operations and commercial leadership. Before joining the company, Ryan held business positions in management consultancy with Ernst & Young. What I love about what you do as well, Ryan, that was shared with me is what inspires you and that's leading a team to make the impossible possible tackling a problem and never giving up no matter how challenging. So really excited to dig in deeper to how you do that within your organization. Thanks so much for being with us, Ryan. Thanks, Melissa, for having me. So before we go a little deeper, can you tell our audience, I know I gave a high level, but more about um, Avery Dennison and your role within the organization? Uh, Of course. So first, I lead our businesses for our solutions that we sell into the food industry. So from farm all the way through retail, our logistics industry um, and retail industry in solutions being our Avery portfolio of identification solutions. And so identification solutions inside of Avery, um, we're the largest manufacturer of pressure sensitive materials in the world. For those that aren't familiar with what pressure sensitive labels are, it's sticky paper. Um, So the stuff that you'll see on many of your consumer goods, um, that's our core business. So part of identification is the label. Um, We're also a manufacturer of, IOT devices, so the putting information onto the label. Um, we have a range of software solutions and um, becoming much more relevant in this data-driven world that we're in. Um, and then we have a full range of field deployment and services that take uh, our solutions and implement them around the world um, through our 30,000 employees. Thank you for that. So um, from where you're sitting, you know, you have a really interesting uh, lens into what's happening with, with logistics and fulfillment. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how you see uh, micro-fulfillment centers and showcase stores being a key element in the future of retail? Sure. I'll start in the reverse order that, that you asked. I think let's start with showcase stores. I look at those as being demand creation. So I think the revolution of, of what stores will become, these experience centers of going in and engaging with product, but ultimately just creating demand you know, both brands and retailers creating that experience so consumers can understand what the product is um, and then make their purchasing choice of, do I want it? And then how that demand is filled, we see an emergence of micro-fulfillment centers, kind of reimagining the store. You've got the front end very much being an experience center, but now these stores and and many of these last mile fulfillment centers that are popping up in all of our neighbors and all of our neighborhoods and even these urban centers, is the future of how that demand is filled. So consumers very much want to shop in a way, but when they're ready to consume um, our socially connected, digitally connected world, they're using the device that they have in their hand 
um, to shop and then ultimately make that, that final purchase. And the consumer's expectations around speed have increased to the point that these micro fulfillment centers are becoming a critical way that um, many brands and retailers are fulfilling those consumers' needs. So I think that's how we look at the kind of the emergency of the showcase, creating the demand and these micro fulfillment centers, finding ways to efficiently and effectively service that demand. Right. So on the efficiently serving, I mean, that's that's such a big hurdle that brands and retailers need to overcome today. And it, it's definitely a logistical beast. Um, and we think about, I mean, there's there's so much changes in what we've seen and in, in inventory and consumer demand and who knows what 2021 is going to bring. But you know, a lot of the algorithms that have been written to predict a lot of this stuff has, they've had to go some, undergo some pretty significant changes over the past 12 months. Where do you see the, the, the essential role of data-driven approaches, um, that end-to-end transparency and, and, and then helping create those efficient systems when it comes to fulfillment? Sure. So I'll dissect transparency a bit because there's really two trends that we see happening in that space. So I think the one uh, trend around transparency is you know, consumers are becoming much more socially aware. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so they want to know where do their goods come from? How are they produced? Um, when were they produced? If you're, if it's a food, food item. So part of the transparency is just being able to give transparency to the entire supply chain, to the consumer based on their needs going forward. Then the other part of transparency is all about what we've talked about these micro fulfillment centers. It's about um, fulfilling demand in the most, in the fastest and most efficient way. Mm-hmm. And to do both of those, many of your listeners, I'm sure have heard of this. It's creating, it's connecting the digital with the physical um, or the physical with the digital, however you prefer, but, but creating a, a, a digital twin in the, in the cloud or, or the web, if you will, where as product moves, either a consumer can engage with that digital twin to understand the who, what, when, where of that product, or those in the logistics industry can engage with that digital ID to understand exactly where all their product is in the most efficient way to get it to their consumer. So I think by creating that digital twin, there's many data scientists around the world and AI engines around the world, but now that I have this digital twin, how can I use that to either portray information to the consumer that they're needing or portray information to the supply chain so they can more effectively and efficiently service that demand? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so um, as you've been leaning into that, can you share, you know, any kind of key learnings that you've seen over the past few months? Yeah, there, there, there's a couple that I've thought through and that we've talked with many of our end users about. And I think the one is there's so much tech coming mm-hmm. out to address the needs. And we've talked about a couple of trends of make sure you're the, the partners that you're working with, I think, have a deep domain expertise because there's so many startups in the, in the tech. And so do they have a, do they have expertise in the domain that I'm working in? And then probably the biggest thing that we see is um, the ability to validate through proof of concepts. Um, so this yeah. doesn't need to be the 1990s, early 2000s, a huge ERP system rollouts or huge point of sale systems rollouts where it's across the board, every retailer, every supply chain, a big bang approach. Most of this technology is modular in a way that you can have a hypothesis and create a proof of concept and validate that there's a there's a you know you're, there is an ROI around deploying this technology and or what adjustments would, would need to happen. So I think as we see many of our end users thinking about this digitally connected world and how they create more transparent supply chains, how do we walk them through starting with the proof of concept 
of how the technology could work and ensuring that it's creating the business value they expected. So I think that's definitely one trend. Number of proof of concepts that are moving into pilots has substantially increased as both brands and retailers um, in food and in apparel look at ways of, and, and, and our logistics part, look at ways of kind of adapting their supply chains to meet the, the emerging needs and changes of the, of the industry. No, I love that you talk about that because I think agility was a trend we started to see in 2020 and that we'll continue to see in 2021, right? And 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 being yeah. more open to doing these smaller use case proof of concepts and then rolling that out versus trying to make sure that you're figuring out every single answer and making it perfect. Um, yeah, the one thing on that, Melissa, so I don't know if I think that, I, that I, I'm stealing the quote, but I, but I love it so much. I think pre-global or pandemic, um, if you will, mm-hmm. digitally connected world was really Gen Z and millennials, right? There's a lot of focus around, well, that's how the, the new consumer will want to shop. But the baby boomer generation, if you will, they're still you know, very much a physical oriented experience. They're going to go into the store. Well, the pandemic, that group of the baby boomers, they, the amount of change that they've been able to experience and it seems to enjoy of a different way to shop is now kind of, hey, my total, my total consumer base is going to want to interact differently. So we actually saw trends that we were calling as three to five years out have been pulled um, forward, which is which is causing this uh, the need to be much more agile around adapting our system. So I think it's it was an interesting phenomenon that we saw with, with COVID around how consumer segments were being um, profiled and how that changed substantially um, with COVID. No, absolutely. I'm. I definitely, you know, been talking of, of similar things. There was such a siloed approach, like you said. This is. It's only for this demographic, you know, or this age group. And yeah, those those uh, barriers have been broken. I think of, you know, my mom. I've probably told this story too many times, but she, you know, was like looking at her hair and she's, her salon was closed and she was, you know, her grays were growing in. And I said, mom, you got to download this augmented reality app from Madison Reed and it'll help you pick the perfect color and, and you order the box. And, and she had never done it before. And, but she did it, she downloaded and she's like, oh, that wasn't bad. And took her two tries. And now she has the color she loves and she's been ordering from them for the past six months. Yeah. I think we all have the stories of moms and Grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers never thinking they were going to be on a device ordering, you know, their favorite goods and services. And now I've talked to the same people and they're like, and it's an enjoyable experience. So I'm, I'm getting used to ordering certain categories uh, via this method. It was you know, more beneficial to me. I, I, appre- I appreciate the service level. So I think it has changed things uh, for the good. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, and it'll give more confidence, I think, to brands and retailers that they can kind of lean into integrating purposeful technology and into the in-store environment. Um, one of the things within tech um, where you guys kind of sit a lot is, is RFID solutions. And I think, you know, there's been challenges over the years of really integrating it from a, from a cost perspective and a little bit of from a complexity of integration. Um, how do you see that having changed? And how do you see an RFID solution um, keeping goods moving quickly and accurately? Sure. I think what's, what's changed um, which we hit on is the need of consumers and supply chains to have more transparency of where product was. So assuming you believe that, that, hey, the more transparency is going to be required and to get transparency, I need this physical and digital connection. And today that triggers predominantly through a QR code or, or a barcode. Um, it, it does allow you to scan a QR code or a barcode and you can have a digital twin of that product. 
the, the challenge has been then when you talk about the speed of product moving through the supply chain, you need line of sight on each item. So RFID is just a more sophisticated trigger and that it's sending a signal out. So you don't need line of sight. So before, if I'm counting 10 boxes with QR, I have to scan each box. RFID is sending a signal out. I push the button and it picks up you know, 10 boxes immediately. So if you think about the amount of um, parcels moving through the supply chain today and being able to being asked to scan each barcode, it would be impossible. With RFID, the processes don't need to change um, through the through reading infrastructure. It's sending a signal out in this digital twin as product moves, it's automatically capturing this information and sending it up to cloud for the constituents of the supply chain to use. So I think it's just a, an evolution of there's always been trigger technologies to allow individuals to capture information on product. This is just the most you know the most efficient way today that RFID is sending a signal out that allows the data capture to happen you know, almost simultaneously across thousands of products. No, absolutely. So what, are the, what is the key you think uh, to meeting increasing last mile demands? I mean, we talked a little bit right at the beginning of this conversation yeah. about micro fulfillment center, but what's the key here in, in meeting these last mile demands? Yeah, the, the number one enabler we, we talked to uh, every customer about when they think about last mile and fulfilling e-commerce uh, needs is the first thing in, in its core to being effective is inventory visibility. Um, so the first thing is only promise what you have, right? So the first fall down of last mile fulfillment is I've got an order and I don't have the inventory. So the key is I need, I have to have inventory visibility to at least meet that I'm only making promises for product that I have. And after you've made that promise, how do I optimize the location of where that product is shipped from um, to the consumer? Still today, at a minimum 50%, you know, some supply chains we look at, it's up to 65, 70% of the cost of, of fulfilling an order is in that last mile fulfillment, getting it from the local store distribution center to the consumer. And I said five to 10 years ago, um, we as consumers were last mile fulfillment um, operators, right? We would drive our car to the store. We would pick the item and we would search to see what they have. We'd pick the item we want. We'd go check out and we drive back to our home. Now that's all being um, facilitated through large e-commerce providers. So they, they have to figure out a way to how they get more efficient. The one way you get much more efficient is knowing where I have all of my product and optimizing um, the routing of how that product gets to the consumer's front door. So I think the key to last mile is inventory visibility for two core reasons. You can you only want to make promises for the product that you have around consumer experience, and then once you accept that order, how do I optimize where it's coming from? You know, my DC is it going from my store? Is it a local DC? Is it a central DC? We see certain things. Is it coming from a wholesale partner? So I think that's to me the key of being effective in last mile. Um, it's becoming table stakes is having true inventory visibility. No, absolutely. I mean, visibility is is the key, and I think it's also more departments just working together um, and a less yeah. siloed approach as well. Um, and that kind of leads into the conversation of how to create a sustainable resilient supply chain that, um, you know, you guys actually released a recent film. I know that it was displayed on um, Women's Wear Daily uh, about the Avery Dennison supply chain transparency. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, and I think the thing that was interesting about the film is that you could see the role transparency has in, in multiple industries. So we had a cocoa farmer, we had a fisherman, and we had a clothing designer, all speaking a role that transparency has. For their industry. So I think all of them spoke to first and foremost, 
their consumers wanting to know more information. Where did the product come from? How was it made? When was it made? Who made it? Um, so they, the, the role that the consumers are having are driving trends all the way back to the supply chain by the request of, for more information. But the second piece of that, the, the film talked about, then these same producers seeing the value of that transparency because they are able to now crap, capture value for the efforts they're putting in. That, that I am more sustainable. I am fishing in a certain way. It is an authentic uh, tuna. So their ability to now send that message directly to the consumer puts more value back on their own on their own operation. So it was just the, the role of transparency started with what consumers want. And now we're seeing constituents of the supply chain saying, hey, based on this transparency, I have now have a chance to tell my story to the consumer and create a direct connection with them. So um, appreciate you mentioning the, the piece. I think we've got a lot of favorable feedback from the industry around how it was captured, um, the role of transparency for the consumer, and then also the, the value to those in the supply chain. No, absolutely. I, I enjoyed it. I. I will link it. Um, I think everybody should give it a watch. So, so where where are we going from here? Where where do you see trends going? I mean, we're talking a lot about the current year of 2021, um, but where do you think the opportunity lies um, in the next three to five years? Yeah, I think the first one we always call out because I think it's everyone who's been in in, in retail or associated to retail, you know, starts with the consumer. So I think the trend that we've called out the most is frictionless, and not just in its sense that many read about is I don't, I don't want to wait in a line to buy something, but just frictionless in how I deal with the retailers or brands um, that I that I work with. So kind of meeting, there was a term of omni-channel, which was very siloed of how you want to buy. I think more and more saying, no, really brands and retailers want to meet consumers of however they want to shop and, and buy. So we gave the example early on, they may have a, an experience center but then engage with them on the web to ultimately make the purchase. And then the undertone of that is um, it's data to drive a majority of this. So to create this truly frictionless experience with the consumer and more of the supply chain has to be data driven, more of the you know, digital identities have to be associated with physical products. So these decisions can be made. I think that leads into, which we talked about, I think everyone's talking about last mile. Mm -hmm. Everyone was forced to do it um, this year. Not many are making money at doing it. So there's this last mile efficiency, knowing consumers have appreciated the value of having products show up at their front door. Um, now everyone's figuring out how can I keep that experience and, and be efficient in a way that, that it's profitable for me. The last thing, and we talked about the thing is transparency. I think our world has never been more socially connected. And, right. and social media never makes much more of a difference around consumers buying trends. I think having the way to be transparent uh, to your business partners or your consumers. Um, and then, the, sorry, the final thing I threw out just when you said trends is, and you mentioned this word, but purpose-built automation. automation. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the last mile, but there's a ton of talk around automation in general. We really believe that the winners in 2021 will be, will be deploying purpose-built automation, not robotics for the sake of robotics, not self-checkout for the sake of self-checkout. They're doing it. They're saying, hey, I want to have a better consumer experience. So how do I automate those tasks that aren't tied to, directly to my consumer? So I think frictionless, last mile, transparency, and purpose-built automation would be the four trends that I talk to most of the markets uh, um, very often. Yeah, I, I bring up purposeful too, because I think it's um, such a an important piece of the equation. I think with technology, it's like you said, there's a lot of options out there. And, you know, um, I think it's, a, it's easy to be seduced by some of the 
shinier ones, you know, but at the end of the day, it's all about serving the consumer. So what are their behaviors today and how are we bringing in these tools essentially to enhance those, those behaviors and, and needs? Yep. And I, I think our belief is that the, the winners will, will, will be very purposeful of, of how they look at this and you have to really focus on their consumer and then how they um, then deploy technology to address just that versus the uh, implementing technology for the sake of implementing technology. Yes, no, exactly. Before we go, is there maybe kind of best in class or just something you know, use case, case study example that you could share with the audience um, and, and you saw some successful performance over the past few months? Yeah, I think um, because the last few months were just coming out of holiday um, and a lot of the work we do, we do work with the world's largest uh, logistic providers and brands. I think the work we've done around last mile fulfillment of connecting, uh, not at source, but at the kind of near the end. So it's not optimal, but near the end, connecting digital identities to um, cases to facilitate the movement. So the minimal thing is that driver showing up at your front door. We've been able to optimize the route based on kind of, here's all the packages that need to go. And here's the route that this individual is going to go. And so how are they stacked in? So I think looking at, again, it goes to that purpose-built technology around how can we be more, allow efficiency to get parcels through the supply chain to the consumer. Um, we have a, we launched a solution around, um, it's an IOT, it's a handheld IOT device with a routing logic. Uh, some of it's RFID and some of it's QR kind of trigger technology to facilitate that last mile fulfillment. And we, we are proud to feel like we were a part of ensuring um, all those holiday deliveries were able to show up when they could, when they could show up because the system was never more stressed. Um, mm -hmm. And our, our technology was a big part of getting more through the existing supply chain, kind of coming out of the pandemic already had volumes at holiday levels. And then we put holiday levels on top of holiday levels of getting it through the supply chain. And I think uh, um, the technology we were able to deploy, I think we're quite proud of in terms of being able to facilitate um, getting parcels to consumers. Well, that's that's fantastic. It, it was it was a extraordinary times for sure with this holiday season and the shipments that I had to go through the system, and also you know QR codes. I mean, we've probably all heard this, but it's amazing what a star they've become yeah. <laughs> through through all of this. And we recently did a survey, uh, a little over thirteen hundred um, respondents of you know how how many of you you know use qr codes and kind of comparing that to the past and it was you know it was almost 70% of people knew what it was and had used it so it's a i think that's a underestimated opportunity i think we're just scratching the surface of how qr codes can be integrated into the in-store experience and retail agreed and there's a lot of work to be done there i think qr code is a trigger and we talked quite a bit about transparency but okay if i give if i've created a trigger now I need to make sure I have content that is, mm -hmm. you know, accurate and, and, and relevant to what they're looking for. And I think there's a lot of our customers who are working through that. Yes, I've got a trigger. Now I can, I can share information. How do I make sure I have information to share? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Content's going to be so important. Um, well, thank you so much for being with us today, Ryan. It was a great conversation. I'm very intrigued to continue to follow what the evolution looks like. Um, as far as these data-driven approaches and transparency and, and really just kind of improving what, what fulfillment looks like and what it does for the industry. So I appreciate the time that you took with us to share your insights. Everyone, again, this was Ryan Yost, Vice President and General Manager within Avery Dennison. 
Thank you, Melissa.